The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we are desperately trying to make common sense more common again and apply that common sense to our economy, our society, and of course, to our stewardship. We are uh, still aware that our listen-only mode on the FISM app is still not working. We got the part in and we're working diligently to get that technology back up and running. In the meantime, you can watch us still on the app. Uh, you don't have to watch. You can just turn it on and listen if you if you don't want to watch. But you can also get us on Spotify and Apple as podcast. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube still, as far as I know. So please interact with us there. Give us a wave or a like or a subscribe or post a question. It helps the it helps boost that algorithm and get us in front of more people. So if you are uh, watching or listening on Saturday on an AFR station, we are not live, so don't try to call in. But you can catch us live every weekday at 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. And if your favorite way to listen is on an AFR station, give them a call or shoot them an email and ask them to put us back in that uh, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern time slot. Um, speaking of AFA and the elections, you know, we are anxiously awaiting um, all of those results, not anxiously because the scripture commands us not to be anxious about anything, but um, in, in, in anticipation, how about that? So um, we are looking to see what's going to happen there, but we are not going to be moved by it because we know who sits on the throne. And, you know, I hope that you got out and voted. I hope you voted your conscience. I hope you voted in agreement with what God says about the moral values. You know, we're seeing this country continue to abandon the things of God and spiral into moral decay, you know, where we are calling wrong things right and right things wrong, you know, calling abortion, as Gavin or Newsom calls it, loving your neighbor by giving them a way to escape the laws of their state and come to his state and murder their baby. Um, just we're seeing gender identity issues, gender confusion. You know, confusion is not from the Lord. We can be assured that if we are confused about anything, that is coming from the enemy of our soul. So as we're seeing more and more signs of moral decay, it's super important uh, in your stewardship to ask the Lord how he may want you to use some of the resources that he's trusted you with to leave a legacy that will continue to fund his work here on earth after you're not here anymore. One of the ways that you can do that, especially if you love AFR and the work that they do, is to contact them and get information about their charitable gift annuity. We've got their phone number up there on the screen if you're watching. Um, if not, you can go to our website, click on which is financialissues.org, 
click on the AFA banner and you can contact the good folks over there um, at the AFA Foundation about how their charitable gift annuity works. So it is a way to create a legacy to fund the work of the AFA Foundation, which is a good work. Uh, In addition to that, you get a permanent income for life and a tax deduction. So um, three great things to, to see happen, especially in a world where things are so uncertain, you can get some, some certain income, and you can certainly lay up some eternal treasure for yourself in heaven. So we are keeping a look at the latest results for the election. Um, there's a little bit of conflicting information out there. Most of the sources that we see say that the Senate is 49 to 48 right now, with three races left to be called with Republicans in the lead. Arizona and Nevada are really too close to call. Georgia is going to be the wild card. So Georgia won't be settled until December as uh, Walker and uh, Warnock head off to a runoff election. In the the House, um, what are what are our latest updates there, Seth? What I'm seeing, Shanna, similarly to what you just said, it's some of it's conflicting, but the most reliable one I've got is the Republicans are leading 210 to 192 to the Democrats. So that's a pretty good sign. It's looking like the Republicans are going to take the House. Good deal. Well, if you want to know how this will affect your portfolio and what you should be doing to prepare for this, become a partner with us. You can go to financialissues.org and find out all about that. It's only $85 a year, 124 if you want to manage your portfolio yourself and have access to our portfolio tracker that makes that management very easy. You'll get access to a buy list. You'll get alerts about anything that, that should be sold. And best of all, you'll be investing biblically responsibly. There's asset allocation models and a ton of videos to help you get started. So check that out. We would really appreciate your support, even if you don't plan on um, looking at those models or managing yourself. It's a great way to help support this ministry as we are primarily listener and partner supported. And we appreciate all of those partners who support us. Well, big economic news, CPI came out. It was expected to come in at 7.9%, down from 8.2% last month and at its peak in June at 9.1%. It actually came in better than expected at 7.7%. So the pre-markets are expecting a Fed pivot. The Fed has said that they're going to continue their push to hike rates higher as long as, until there's a meaningful trend in inflation going down. So it came in at 7.7% due to decreases in used car prices and insurance, which that's a little confusing to me because mine just went up dramatically, Um, gas and shelter. Core inflation also moderated with the month-over-month number moderating even more than they were expecting. So that is one of the things that the Fed is looking for. Um, The month-over-month number Slowing, So we did see declines in used cars, trucks, medical care, apparel, and airline fares. So we saw declines there, but then increases where I mentioned in shelter, motor vehicle insurance, recreation, new vehicles, and personal care. So we will continue to be watching that. Um, One thing that I think is going to make it very difficult for the Fed to get inflation under control is the developing 
not developing. This has been going on for a while. But the continuing to unfold energy saga that's going to make inflation stickier and higher. Now, I don't think I have time to get into all the details on it, so make sure you don't go anywhere because after the break, I'm going to come back and and lay this out for you. But there's some, some things that are developing. We've been talking about the situation on the Mississippi River, how we're seeing historic levels low. There's three ways primarily to get uh, things transported around this country. It's One is down the river, down the Mississippi River, and we're experiencing very severe drought conditions making the river low. Then we have the railroads. Um, we're watching an unfolding situation where we may see a railroad strike, which I uh, read an update on this morning, probably won't happen in November uh, when the deadline uh, was for them to accept those union negotiations. But pushed back maybe to December, which is going to be a setup for a perfect storm. Or through trucking. We have a 100,000 trucker shortage in this country, and diesel fuel prices are at all-time highs. So come back right after this break and hear my thoughts on what's going to happen there and how it's going to impact what we pay for food and gasoline. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we're going to be back right after this. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Did you know that an average 1.2 million babies are aborted each year? Listen, we have an opportunity at Financial Issues to change that, and we're doing it. Tens of thousands of lives have been saved because of Financial Issues listeners just like you. For $140, you could save the lives of five babies. All $140 goes to the Pregnancy Center to sponsor ultrasounds. 80% of the time, these ultrasounds will change the mind of a young lady that is considering abortion to choose life. Would you join us in the fight against the atrocity of abortion? I hope that you'll go to preborn.org or call pound 250 
the key word is baby when you're asked. Preborn.org. That's preborn.org. All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit indiapartners.org to see how your your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these five million children. Now back to financial issues week in review. Welcome back to financial issues. I'm your host Shanna Burt. Uh, before I finish up my thoughts on the economic news that's out, I wanted to let you know that the Sons of Issachar shirts have been shipped out. So if you participated in our fundraiser that went on during the month of September, was it September? Correct. It was September. <laughs> September, yes. Um, you guys helped us exceed the goal that we had set for ourselves. And so we are very, very grateful for all of the donations that came in. There were so many first-time givers and some you know, some very large donations that we got. So we really appreciate that and just be watching the your your doorstep or your mailbox, wherever you get your stuff for that shirt for those shirts, uh, the Sons of Issachar. And as soon as I get mine, I'll be wearing it on the show. So, there you um, go. <laughs> thank you all for, for being so faithful in doing that. So we had core inflation and headline inflation come out better than expected, which means that um, it looks like inflation has started to moderate. However, the, pl- the places where I have concern is this developing developing energy crisis. Um, there's so many things happening. We have um, the railroad strike that was set to begin as early as November the 19th because two of the 12 rail workers unions have rejected the deal that President Biden had brokered to increase wages, give back pay, but they are still holding out for better sick time. Uh, Diesel prices are up dramatically, 33% for the month of November and much higher over the last year. We've seen gasoline prices come down, but diesel prices haven't really budged and we have a, a real shortage there. So in the trucking industry, that Diesel fuels that trucking industry. That's a problem because it increased costs there. And we have driver shortages in trucking. The Mississippi River is at historically low levels due to drought conditions. And that's only expected to get a little worse during the winter months as some parts of the Mississippi River and its tributaries uh, freeze over in some places. So that reduces the flow of water. And as far as I know, the good Lord is the only one that can control weather. So we are extremely dependent upon him. It feels like the old days as, you know, um, maybe we need to call for a national fast and seeking the Lord to, to, um, to pray for rain. 
But the river, the Mississippi River, is only a half mile wide in some places rather than the normal uh, width of one mile because of the low water levels. And it's about 11 foot lower in some spots. So traffic has grounded to a halt in some places, and they're only able to load barges to about 75% of capacity. So how big is this? How much does it affect? More than 1 trillion pounds of freight travel the Mississippi River every year under normal conditions. What goes down the river? Well, soybeans, corn, coke, animal feed, sand and gravel, oil and gas, Fertilizer, salt, alcohol, aluminum, coal, which, by the way, is desperately going to be needed in the EU this winter as they're, you know, about to impose their sanctions against Russia and steel. So that's a lot of things that go up and down that river every year. So it's a, you know, it's potentially a a big deal. One barge can carry as much as 16 rail cars or 70 semi-trucks. The bottleneck is getting uh, grain and soybeans. There's a bottleneck in getting the grain and soybeans to markets. So they're starting to store these products in places where they shouldn't be stored. And so they're starting to lose a little bit of quality. This is really hurting the farmers as, as well as they're having to absorb those higher shipping costs and storage fees. So this couldn't come at a worse time when we have this Russia-Ukraine situation unfolding where wa- uh, Russia is being very wishy-washy on their export, saying they will comply, they won't comply. Um, AccuWeather predicts that losses from um, decreased flow down the Mississippi River could hit $20 billion this year. The barge shipping rates have soared. The first week in November, the cost of shipping one ton of soybeans down the Mississippi River has increased, not 4%, 400% since last year. So we're keeping an eye on that. We're, we're trying to get a gauge of where we're praying to be found worthy as sons, of, sons and daughters of Issachar so that we can implement this into our strategy here. So the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index also came out this month with small business owners um, being more pessimistic about conditions. And with rates increasing last week, we have the 30-year mortgage now at an average nationwide average of 7.14%. That's more than 100% higher than where it was at the beginning of this year. So it's created an affordability issue in housing. You know, people who were pre-qualified a year ago and couldn't find anything because there was such a shortage of homes on the market are now not qualifying for the same price range as they would before. So this is starting to um, make an impact on housing prices. Well, Let's get to some calls. We have John calling from Alabama. Hi, John. Hello, Shannon. Uh, I'm a member, and question is, well, first off, I want to tell you, I never really paid much attention to this inherited IRA 401k stuff, so I have to apologize about that right off the bat. But 
the question is, when you inherit a 401k, do you have 10 years to take it out from from the 401k? And the the aunt, our aunt died this year, and her husband has died four, uh, four or six years ago. So how does that all, how will all that affect us? Okay, so when did you, you inherited it from the aunt this year? Yes, this, it hasn't gone through anything, but we will be inheriting a, a 401k. She okay, died she, that this month. This month, okay. And it's a 401k or an IRA? I don't even know because he has also a trust. He had, my uncle had a trust as well, so. Okay. So the government changed the rules on inherited IRAs as of January 1st of 2020. So it depends, if you're listening to this and you're trying to apply it to your situation, it depends on when the the person that you inherited it from passed. So if they passed prior to January 1st of 2020, what I'm about to say doesn't apply to you. So you used to be able to take money out prior to January 1st of 2020 um, Based on your life expectancy, if you were a non-spouse that inherited it, depending on how old the person was that passed. And so you could stretch out those payments and stretch out the tax liability that comes with it. As of January 1st of 2020, they changed that. So you now have 10 years to get that money out. So um, your first distribution is, I believe, due this year. And so you have 10 years from the date of death to the end of the year of, of 10 years of the death anniversary to get all of that money out. Okay. Now, uh, but the, that has nothing to do with a tr- the money or whatever is in a trust. Correct. So... That has no bearing on it whatsoever. So whatever is in the trust is going to be dispersed or however it's going to be treated. Right, according to whatever it says in the trust. Right, because my brother-in-law was just trying to tell us because he said, well, I, he's got to get a lawyer because he doesn't understand it all, which I understand as well. I got you. Uh, you know, there's a song out there, I Surrender All, and some people that you talk to about financial issues some of them just don't want to even listen and i heard that song and it's like well i surrender all but some only surrender most and that's you know all aspects of our life Mm. and i just we my wife and i are grateful for fism and what it has taught us and we're thankful Thank you all very much. Uh, Thank you, John. We appreciate your partnership and your encouragement as well and your heart to be biblically responsible because it is very easy to compartmentalize the things in our life. And prior to me stumbling across Dan's program uh, about uh, more than nine years ago, I guess almost 10 years ago now, uh, on the radio one day on an AFR station, I had compartmentalized my life as well. So my professional life in the financial services industry from being a Christian, not intentionally. I didn't know that the money that I was investing for myself and my clients 
was being used to promote the things that, as a Christian, I was praying about all the time. So when I heard the truth, it's really hard. So I'm glad. I hope, John, you're still listening. And I just encourage you to keep talking to people about those things because it's just our job to plant. You know, sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, sometimes we get to harvest. And, you know, the scripture talks about that in winning souls. But it's also other things about stewardship and the Lord. You know, sometimes we hear something and we might immediately reject it. Uh, I'll be honest and say the first time I heard about biblically responsible investing, I thought, oh, well, this is just... You know, this is just something for somebody to promote something and sell something or, you know, does it really matter? Can it be done? All of those kind of questions. And, you know, the Lord's never offended by our questions. He he likes it when we, he knows what's in our heart. So he likes it when we're honest and we share the questions that we have. And he's always willing to give an answer, no matter how long it takes us to get it. So, you know, he'll share wisdom when we ask. And, you know, when it's been my experience that when the Lord presents something to me and it, uh, I mull it around in my spirit for a long time, I never have complete peace until I'm operating in obedience with what the Lord is putting before me and asking me to do. So um, just keep listening. It's a, this is a great, sound financial strategy that we put forth because, you know, I got my training from the world in the secular realm of financial services. But as a Christian, it's more important to apply biblical values to that. And there, I promise you, it is not hard to reconcile. But we're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to get right back with some of your questions about financial issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity, this idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Securities offered through G.A. Reppel & Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily represent those of G.A. Reppel or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. Welcome back to Financial Issues. Let's get right to a caller. We've got Sharon calling from Texas. Hi, Sharon. Thank you for taking my call again. Um, I've been struggling with this PayPal issue, 
And I see on Christian Community Credit Union that they offer an alternative called Zelle. I think it's Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E, but I don't find that listed anywhere as a payment option. So one of the credit cards, uh, Capital One credit card, offers a virtual credit card number. And I don't know if that's a good alternative or not. Is uh, do you keep the same number and use it every time, or do you get a new number each time you charge something? And is that any safer? It's still a credit card. I'm not getting how it's beneficial to, to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that program, so I can't really uh, answer that question. I know that Zelle is uh, becoming very popular. It does take the money right out of your account, though, so it doesn't offer you as much protection as, say, Using a credit card, um, you know, it's just so convenient these days to be able to use electronic payments on everything, and it's it's really hard. If there are, you know, other alternatives when I'm buying something online like Apple Pay or, um, you know, Venmo or something else like that, then I'll always opt for that. But a lot of times they just don't offer it. So it makes it really hard, but I, I share your disgust with PayPal. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for clarifying that. Have a great day. All right. You too. We have Chris calling from Texas. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Question. So the asset allocation model has changed. I'm in the 45 to 55, and um, I hope they gave you the... Uh, uh, they did, yes. Mutual fund, the mutual fund that I'm, I'm uh, looking to sell. Should I keep that or sell it? Hang on to it right now. Um, don't do anything until after the election. We're working on putting out some models. I think, you know, what happens here, what happens with Russia and Ukraine is going to have a big impact on that particular security because it is international. But, you know, I think the Timothy plan is one of our partners and they do a great job in managing that. So it is, even though it's just one holding, it's an ETF, it is a diversified um, holding. Now, you know, the, the United States is doing much better than most of the rest of the world. We're still the best-looking horse in the glue factory. So we could definitely, we have seen and we can definitely see some more international weakness. But at some point, um, things should turn around. They typically always do. Things come back into favor. So I know that particular holding has not been a huge part of any of the asset allocation models. So I think you would be fine just to hold it. Okay, thank you very much. Have a blessed day. You too. Thanks for calling, Chris. All right, let's get to some website stuff and... Awesome, Shannon. Yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, first one here is from Eddie. He's asking a good question from Tennessee on the website. He's saying, if you were going to buy a new car or truck, are there any biblically responsible companies to choose from? It's a good question, Shannon. I'd love to know. <laughs> well, we do have a couple of BRI auto companies on the buy, I mean, on the broad list, not the buy list. If you look under consumer discretionary and just kind of go through the list, it'll be pretty obvious which, which of those are, um, you know, companies that are biblically responsible. Um, however, I want to make the distinction between patronage and investing. So when you invest in a company, that's when we believe you should be biblically responsible in the companies that you select. So if you own one share of stock or one mutual fund or 
one ETF. If you own ETFs or mutual fund, you own a little bit of all of the companies that are in those particular securities. So in an ownership position, we know that we don't own anything. God owns it all, but we are in charge of it. We retain responsibility for how the money is used. So if we don't get to make the day-to-day decisions on what the company spends money on, hopefully, and what we're looking for is that the company spends money on making the best product or service that they possibly can and that they stay out of the culture war. Unfortunately, though, large companies are, um, and even some mid-sized companies, are using shareholder dollars to support things like abortion, pornography, the LGBT agenda, um, political uh, candidates that don't line up with our biblical values, and we don't want our money to be used in that way. However, whenever you purchase a product, you are exchanging your money for a good or service. That money is no longer your responsibility. The good or service is your responsibility. The money belongs to the company that you bought it from, and they retain the responsibility for how that money is used. So that's a a very important distinction because I know we can get really bogged down and think that, well, we just can't do this biblically responsible stuff if, if, if all of these companies that we have to buy from are not biblically responsible. But there is a difference. So um, we, we talk about it a lot here. There's plenty of clips that you can go and search. Uh, the next question here we have from uh, face uh, it's actually from the website, Shanna. This is Eric saying, can you provide some education for listeners on why it is not wise to purchase mutual funds in a taxable account just before the annual distributions in December? Yep. So mutual funds are required to distribute their uh, their gains at the end of the year. And this starts happening sometime in November. You just have to Uh, Make sure and look at the mutual funds that you own. Now, if you own Timothy, most of Timothy's distributions happen in December. So there is a day, and you can, when it's published, you can go and see it. They're going to distribute their gains. So if they took profits throughout the year, um, and you could even have a situation where your share price is down in value at the end of the year and still get a capital gains distribution. What happens right after the distribution, though, is that the price is adjusted and it drops. So if you're if you're looking to make mutual fund purchases, wait until after those capital gains distributions have been paid. Good stuff there, Shannon. Next one here is Maxi is saying, should I count all monies as one if I include my 401k, which is by far the largest dollar amount between the two, my brokerage account, it skews my tracker significantly. Should I leave that out and just manage them separately? Thank you. You're all doing a great job and I'm 50 years old. All right. Great. Thanks for that information and thanks for that encouragement there. Yes, um, the right thing to do is to count all of your investable dollars. And I know that will make it hard. Um, if it skews it too much, you know, if, you're, if your heart is really set on being biblically responsible and the only biblically responsible options that you have in your 401k are maybe a stable value or maybe a, a U.S. government bond fund, and that's going to put you way out of whack, then, you know, you can, you can consider just adding the part in that's going to take care of your cash and maybe your fixed income into your tracker so that you can use everything else outside of your 401k to fill out the other allocations. 
Good stuff there, Shannon. Next one here is Jack saying, is there something wrong with a specific stock there that I will not mention on the air, Shanna? Uh, he's he's wondering because he purchased from $4.13 to $1.60 with his average cost now at $3.03. Should I buy more today to bring it down or sell and walk away from a $4,500 loss to offset that much in general gains from this year? And this is about 1% of his portfolio. He doesn't say how old he is, though. Okay. Well, that makes it a little bit difficult. Um, The stock that he's referencing there is HC22. And I think I had a question on that last week and said the same thing. I would not put more into it at this point. Um, It is a micro cap. So I'm assuming that he was probably in one of the younger age allocations because it most likely wouldn't be appropriate for someone who's in the 55 and up um, models, unless, of course, they just have a, um, a a very large risk appetite. So it is a micro cap. Um, if, I think he said it was in a taxable account and he can sell it to offset some gains, I, I would probably do that. Um, I think that's going to help you more than hanging on to it. Now, of course, you know, in those very, very small companies, um, you know, Good news is really good news. It makes the stock go up a lot. Bad news is really bad news. It makes the stock go down, as you've seen now. So there is always a possibility of you know something good happening for this company, one of their drugs getting to market. But um, I think that the tax loss would probably be more beneficial at this point. Awesome, Shanna. That's a good reminder, too, for everybody as well. Just give as much information as you can, because not only does it help Shanna to answer the question more thoroughly, but I think it blesses a lot of other people, too, to know, okay, this is specifically what this person is asking. That's good. Mm -hmm. Next one, Steve saying, I started with your plan six months ago by establishing a Roth IRA for my wife. The limited amount of investment at $7,000 has been met this year. Next year, when I come back around with another 7K to invest uh, to the Roth and some of the funds I bought this year are removed from the buy list. But on the broad list, do I continue to buy those funds initially invested in even though on the broad list? Or do I choose new funds that are on the buy list? Shanna, I think this is that classic broad list, buy list. Can we buy off both of them? Love to hear your thoughts. Yep, good stuff. So if you're not using the portfolio tracker, I would seriously consider upgrading uh, your partnership. It's just, it goes from $85 a year to $124 a year and will actually prorate you if you upgrade in between uh, your renewals. But once you put everything on that tracker, it's going to give you a really clear picture of which way you need to go. So you're always going to want to allocate towards the new allocation model. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to do it overnight. If you're adding money in, that's a great way. You know, as you, if you've started with 7,000, um, your portfolio is going to double. So that's going to give you a lot of room in other areas whenever you add that money in. And you'll just be able to deploy that money into the new areas that um, you may not have it all or that you may be light in. Stay tuned. We're going to be back right after this short break. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to to take take care of his body. 
to eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple temple of God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. We're in the financial business. We manage a couple of trusts and some estates and, of course, our own monies, too. Courtney Trotter talks about the charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation. I understand annuities about as much as anyone, I guess, can. So I just felt the charitable gift annuity was a win-win situation for many people that still are generating income and still have assets because you never know when you may have to draw down on something like that and if you don't ever have to then it's even a better gift to get to a really good foundation like AFA a very solid investment a good way to help do the Lord's work and it's there to help us as well Find out if the charitable gift annuity can work for you by calling the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shana Burt, and we are in the home stretch of the show today, and we're going to fill it up with all answering all of your questions about your financial issues. So let's get right to the phones. We have Jeff, and he is calling from North Carolina. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Shana. How are you today? Better than I deserve. Me too. Thank you. Um, I'm new at this, and I actually think you're going quite well. Uh, uh I'm very pleased with, I've been following the, your portfolio to the T, and I haven't seen this before, but I ran upon an E40, and I'm 65, uh, uh, with Fidelity, and when I went to buy some of it, it came up with a note saying that it's aggressive, and we're going to change your, I'm registered as a conservative voter, I mean, yeah, conservative <laughs> voter and conservative investor. And I just had never seen that before, and it, it just kind of threw a monkey wrench at me. And I, I totally trust, you know, financial issues in yourself. 
expensively. Yeah. But it just kind of threw me off. And what do I make of that? Just ignore it and change my status as far as conservative to a more aggressive or. Yeah. So let me help you understand that terminology a little bit more, and then you can decide where you land in it. So in the world of compliance, when we're talking about financial services, uh, one of the things that a advisor or in your case, a discount brokerage has to know about their customer. There's a rule called know your customer. So they have to know what the risk appetite for a person is. And most of the time, people will Especially when I'm talking to clients, I'll say, you know, well, tell me about your risk appetite. Oh, well, I'm very conservative. And then I'll say, okay, so tell me about your experience. Well, I've owned these stocks and these mutual funds and, you know, this and that. And they'll they'll name some very aggressive things. And then I'll say, well, what kind of return are you hoping to get? You know, well, I heard that the market has averaged, you know, 12% over the last 50 years. So uh, I'm maybe not as aggressive as the market, but I think, you know, 8 or 10% would be good. So in that conversation, then I have to go in and explain you're not a conservative investor. <laughs> so conservative means, uh, and, it, and it's all about, it's a lot about asset allocation and volatility. So a conservative investor would be one who has very, very limited exposure to equities. So maybe a portfolio that is made up of maybe 70 or 80%, you know, fixed income, things that are not very volatile, like bonds and CDs and money market instruments, which even this year, though, have the bond market has been very volatile. A moderate investor is one who's who's willing to accept maybe 50% exposure to stocks, 50% exposure to bonds. So if you're... Um, Aggressive, you know, if you're ultra aggressive, that means that you may have a hundred percent equity portfolio. When you look at the financial issues strategy, we we have limited exposure to fixed income. The majority of what we recommend, even though we look for companies that have uh, a lot of longevity, um, a big size, which indicates you know some some degree of safety. We look for you know dividends, which means that a company has a great cash position. You know we're we're evaluating all of that. So from a stock perspective, uh, we have stocks that are considered conservative. You know, like your utility stocks, companies that have been around you know for a very long time, all the way to some very aggressive stocks. So the one that you're referencing is an MLP, a Master Limited Partnership. So it is a little bit more complicated than just your everyday equity, um, meaning that you're going to get a tax document that you have to file every year. So that that is going to put that particular thing in the aggressive category. So when you're trying to buy that and it sees that you're a cons- when you're trying to buy something aggressive, um, even if your whole portfolio, you know, maybe that's only 1% or so of your portfolio and you're still managing a moderate to moderately aggressive portfolio, it's going to flag that. So that's where you have to really reevaluate. If you're truly a conservative have a conservative risk tolerance, that means that you're not comfortable with exposure to equities and you probably um, shouldn't be following even the financial issue strategy. So uh, I have a feeling that it's just a a misunderstanding of of definitions on your part. Actually, oh, totally, because I mean, like I said, I'm a novice, but I will say this, I've been doing it for about six months and I mean, I'm I'm amazed. I'm actually way in the plus so it works. <laughs> I know it's going to fluctuate, but it's all good. 
Oh, great. My terminology is, is probably incorrect. Uh, I'm more, you know, I certainly want to go by your allocation models and all of that. So that's what I'm doing. But I just I had not seen that. And we kind of like, what is that all about? Right. So now I know. Yeah. Good right. stuff. So, so would it be good for me to maybe change my status or if that's the word to, you know, a more aggressive investor or just click the box and say, okay, whatever. Uh, that's up to you. So, I mean, it's, you know, if you really have a better understanding now of what it means to be conservative, oh, moderate, do. moderately aggressive, and you feel like that fits your risk appetite, then yes, I would consider changing it because it's it's going to flag every time you, you try to buy something that's a little more aggressive. Right. It'll flag. You'll still be buying even if I kept it in as conservative or whatever, I assume. Just, I can't speak just, for that particular platform, but... Um, you would have to ask them what their rules are about yeah, it, but well, yeah. at, at the very least, I would think it would continue to flag you and warn you every time you do something. Right, right. Well, like I say, I'm I'm thrilled so far, and I know it's it's all good. And you guys are such a blessing, and I thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Your your encouragement is a blessing to us as well. So keep thank up you, the ma'am. good work. Take care. All right, let's get to Lynn. Lynn's calling from Oregon. Hi, Lynn. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. I have a question about, um, uh, I'd like to open up a CD, uh, but maybe not go then more than a year, just because it looks like perhaps rates might continue to go up. And maybe you could come on that, comment on that as well. But um, so I can go online and get it through. I looked at uh, bankrate.com and I can open a CD at a different bank or I went to my local bank and they said if I went through their investment side and opened what they call a self-directed investment account, then they do the searching and in this case, they could find a market that had a little bit higher rate of CD. There's a $50 fee up front to open that CD. Um, So you have the two choices of going online, doing it your own, or going through my my own bank and opening up this investment account, the self-directed investment account, getting a little bit higher rate, but paying the $50 fee up front. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest or comment on that? Yeah, so uh, I'm a fan of brokered CDs, and you can do that in an investment account. The thing you have to be a little bit cautious about at the bank is that a lot of times, if they're offering a self-directed account, Um, It may not be actually through the bank or credit union. They probably have some kind of affiliation with some type of brokerage firm. And, you know, that's a a great way for them to get you in. I have a feeling it won't be long until they start recommending annuities to you. And I would really stay away from from that. I don't know how long you've been listening to the show. Or uh, Annuities can be very complicated. They're going to put some restrictions on you. You're going to have, you know... uh, trouble getting your money out without paying a penalty for a while. But uh, banks and credit unions are kind of notorious for that in soliciting the members, especially CD buyers, because annuities are one of the only products that advisors can offer a guarantee with and do it and, and can get away with it legally. So you could probably go online to one of the discount brokerages. Um, I'm not recommending anyone in particular, but you can look at Fidelity Brokerage, Vanguard Brokerage. Um, I forget what some of the other ones are. Interactive Brokers. 
um, what whatever other one that's out there. I don't have one in particular that I recommend. But once you, it's it's really easy to open it. They probably won't charge you a fee to get the CD, but then you can go in and you can search for CDs all across the country to find the best rate. As far as what rates are going to do, um, you know, if inflation truly is moderating like the CPI number read uh, comes out today and what all of the major economists are predicting that inflation is going to start to moderate over the next year, then next year when it comes due, rates would be lower. Now, there are some things that are happening in the economy that make me think that inflation is going to be stickier and maybe just as high or worse than what we're seeing right now. In that case, rates would be about the same or higher. But here's one way that you can uh, avoid trying to time the investment rate market is to build a ladder by split it up between a one-year, two-year, and three-year CD. On the three-year, you usually get the highest rate. Every year when your CD comes due, you buy the three-year CD. And eventually you have all three-year CDs with hopefully the higher rate with money coming due every year. So um, that's a great way to do it. All right, let's get to some website stuff. and Awesome, Shanna. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Robert is saying, hi, Shanna. When the asset allocation model changes, do we rebalance our account to that new model or just any future monies going into our SEP go into the new allocation? He is 53 years old, Shanna. Yep. So anytime a model changes, you're going to want to rebalance according to that new model. Um, Now, the models have changed in June and September of this year. If you haven't made those changes, hold tight. They're going to be changing again shortly. So maybe not huge changes, but um, hold off until next week or the week after before you do any rebalancing. But the whole portfolio should be rebalanced and new Contributions should be directed to wherever you're like. Well, folks, we hope that you enjoyed the show today. Lord willing, we will be back same time, same place next week. Make sure you get that phone app just in case we are not on the outlet that you're used to watching this anymore. Just remember, the Lord is coming back soon. There's going to be a test. And it is our prayer that, that we may be found good and faithful stewards when the Master comes back. Well, folks, enjoy a great weekend of worship, and we'll be back on Monday. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.